This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, June 7th, and today we have a couple of Game 1s and one Game 7 to break down. The Clippers are moving on. The Hawks beat the Sixers in Philly, and the Nets held on despite a James Harden hamstring injury. We will look at all of that and more coming up in just a minute. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Top of the hour, we had some technical difficulties. We appreciate your patience with that as we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast or watching live on YouTube. Thanks once again for your patience. As we get started a little bit late here, I'm joined by Dr. A, Steve Alexander. Steve, how is morale there at the Alexander Estate after the Mavs Game 7 loss to the Clippers? Actually, it's really high because the Clippers weren't going to beat the Jazz. Uh, Clearly, Luka Doncic needs a lot of help in Dallas. You mean the Mavs weren't going to beat the Jazz, you mean? Who who did I say? You said the Clippers, unless you're giving us your prediction already on that one. Oh, Luca's Dallas Mavericks were not going to beat the Jazz anyway. I don't think the Clippers will either. But, you know, the Hawks, Matt Straub, big winners in game one, as we're going to talk about, after a huge win in New York. And if as long as they won game one, I really didn't care what happened with the Clippers. I mean, against the Clippers with Dallas. All right, well, the Hawks and the Sixers game one, which is an absolutely wild game, is coming up in a minute. But let's start with this game seven, Steve. The last series of the first round to finish up, the Clippers beat the Mavs 126-111. Luka Doncic, as you said, or as you implied, was basically a superhero in this one. Playing with a uh, supporting cast that became lo- started to look more and more thin as the series went on. 46 points, 7 rebounds, 14 assists, 5 threes. The Mavs did put all five starters in double figures, but only had six bench points, Steve. It, it just got kind of got to the point where... I guess Tim Hardaway Jr. is the Mavs' second option with the way Porzingis is playing, and it's like that that's not enough in a playoff series. It's really not. And, you know, if you talk to any Mavericks fan, the first thing 
that's going to come out of their mouth is Chris Stapp's Porzingis has got to go. He's not very good. Like people, especially Dallas fans are, are over it. They don't like the way he stands out the three point line. It doesn't play like a big man, but he's also a super talented guy. He's just not a number two guy. And you're right. Tim Hardaway Jr. And Dorian Finney Smith look like, you know, the two and three options on this team. And that's, that's not, not going to get it done. Uh, Mark Cuban, is a smart and good owner. Um, it sounds like Rick Carlisle's not going anywhere, and I, I, I don't place any blame on uh, Rick Carlisle for for them not not getting out of the first round. I just don't think Luca has very much to work with. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith may not be a starter on a lot of NBA teams, so Cuban's going to have to get in his wallet this summer. Maybe Brad Beal, maybe somebody like that ends up there, but I, I think they're going to overhaul that entire roster. The only, the only guys to me that are untouchable are Luca and Bobby Marjanovic. I was going to say, if you didn't say Boban, I was going to say Boban. He was incredible. 14 points, 11 boards in his starting role on Sunday. Definite first-round pick in our per-36-minute league this upcoming and, fall. You know, 31 minutes, I know this was matchup-based, but I wonder if, if Boban's going to play more minutes next year. I kind of feel like he might. I mean, yeah, how... How much can he handle, you know? But but we'll see. Let's look at this from the Clippers' side of things. Kawhi Leonard was phenomenal again. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists on 10 of 15 shooting. Marcus Morris hit 7 threes. Paul George had 22 points, 10 dimes. Luke Kennard, 11 points in 15 minutes. What a novel idea. Throw, throw him in <laughs> off the bench, see what happens. I wonder where I've heard that before. And, uh, you know, big story this game, Steve. 10 for 36 on threes for the Mavs. That's 28%. The Clippers went 20 for 43, shot 47%. It's just, you know, the, the Clippers early in this series looked like, wow, who is going to help Kawhi and Paul George? And they, they finally got some more help, especially in the form of Marcus Morris. When I was going to say Marcus Morris, the game previous game, before that game six, he was one of 10 from three. Turns around and goes, what, seven for nine, couldn't miss. And re- he was really a difference maker in, in game seven. He really didn't do much in the series, and that's why after those first two games, I kind of thought Dallas would win the series uh, because the Clippers just looked so bad and nobody was helping Kawhi Leonard. Then Kawhi put the team on his back in game six and just went crazy in that game. He was like a like a robo player. And then um, Marcus <laughs> Morris picked up the slack on Sunday, and, and Leonard was awesome the whole series. Paul George was pretty good the whole series, and Reggie Jackson – uh, really came through uh, in a starting point guard role. Well, the Clippers are the fifth team in NBA history to lose the first two games at home, then come back and win a playoff series. I want to quickly ask you, Steve, before we look ahead to the Jazz Clippers series, I want to quickly, let's talk Luca quickly. Just in terms of fantasy, he was 37th overall in nine category leagues this year, according to basketballmonster.com. If you punt free throws, which he shot 73%, sorry to remind you, he jumps to 20th overall. So for me, I start to look at Luca as... I still think he's a first rounder in fantasy just because you're not going to find many guys who have that combo of points, rebounds, assists, you know, anywhere. So I still think he's a first rounder, but he becomes more of a late first rounder to me due to the free throws and the turnovers than an early first rounder that we saw him be this year in fantasy drafts. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. And I mean, you're asking the wrong guy because I've I've been (laughs) such a bandwagon Luka guy for so long, but yeah, it's all it's all starting to catch up with with him. I think he really needs more help around him. And, and this free throw thing in the playoffs, I don't know what his percentage was in these playoffs, but it was really really bad. Like he 
could not make a free throw. I think it was in his head. So he's either going to take this summer to shoot free throws, you know, 500 free throws a day or something, or he's just, it's just going to get continue, continually worse as time goes on. So I'm a little worried about the free throws. I'm still, I still think he's a first round talent. Like you said, he's number 20. If you pump free throws, I'm sure if you take assists out of the equation, he, he, probably jumps up a little. I mean, if you take turnovers out of the equation, he probably jumps up a little bit higher as well. I still think he's first-round talent. I think you're either a Luka guy and you're going to take him with your first-round pick, or you're not You're not a Luka guy and you're not going to. But he's going to yeah. go in the first round regardless. All right, well, it's a quick turnaround for the Clippers. They will play the Jazz in Salt Lake City on Tuesday as that series gets underway. Looking at the odds from that one via our sportsbook partner, PointsBet, it's the Jazz minus 121, the Clippers plus 100 to win the series. First things first, Steve, who do you like in this series? Uh, can you put your uh, your bitterness, shall we say, over the Clippers knocking out your Mavs aside? W- what are you looking for in this upcoming series? Well, you know, I've I've been kind of saying all along that the, the Jazz don't look like a really scary number one seed. But I think we saw this, this Clippers team play a Dallas team that really they should have handled easier than they did. And the jazz kind of had an easy first round matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies. So we didn't learn a lot there, but I just think that with Rudy Gobert, he's just, he's, he's a, a rock defensively. He's solid on both ends. You Mike Conley is a good player. Donovan Mitchell is a really good player. I think the jazz match up well with the Clippers. It should be a, it should be a pretty good series, but the Jazz are number one seed for a, a reason. I think they're going to win. Interesting. You know, I think I lean slightly the other direction. I think that the Jazz may be the deeper roster, top to bottom. You know, the Go Bear factor is big, but I just look at the way Kawhi Leonard is playing right now, and I think that makes the Clippers really dangerous. In that series against the Mavs, Steve, here are Kawhi's numbers 32 points per game, nearly eight boards, four and a half assists. 2.3 steals, 1.0 blocks, 5.73s per game. He shot 61% from the field and basically 90 from the line and 42 and a half from three. I mean, those numbers are absolutely absurd across the board. The guy is just playing out of his mind, and I think he's a clear-cut best player in the series. And for that reason, I think the Clippers will take this. Well, he was also playing a defense uh, similar to that of the what is it? The Washington Generals that play the Globetrotters? Is that hey? Is that it's correct? an NBA team. It's an NBA team. Yeah, but it's a that's some bad defense that Dallas plays. So Dude. yeah, Kawhi Kawhi was amazing, but I just think the Jazz play a lot better defense. But you're right. I don't know that the Clippers are deeper than the Jazz, right? Like the Jazz have Joe Ingles and and Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. No, I like. I think the Jazz, like I said, the top to bottom. I think the, the Jazz roster is a bit deeper, and you they just have think more Kawhi guys. Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's unstoppable. Yeah, essentially, essentially, and he might he might be. But I, I want to see him. I want to see the Jazz defense against Kawhi Leonard because I think we'll know after Game One who's going to win the series. Oh, it should be a great series. Looking forward to that getting underway on Tuesday night. Let's look at Sunday's early game. As you mentioned, Steve, the Hawks went into Philly and stunned the Sixers 128 to 124. The Hawks led by 15 after one quarter, 20 at the half, 16 after three, and then it got extraordinarily sweaty late if you were a Hawks fan. I mean, the Hawks were up 25 points in this game with five minutes left. The, the Sixers eventually cut it to two with like eight, nine seconds left. Absolutely terrifying. 
what stood out to you overall from this game, Steve? Well, um, I'm not going to lie. They're at the very, very end. Like they scored. I'm like, I think I even said Reggie Miller's not not in this game. So this this game is over. They're not going to score that many. What was it? Eight points in like nine seconds or something. That yeah. And and then the Hawks turned it over. Then they turned it over again. It was like, wait a second. This is this is the Super no. Bowl all over again. Oh. Um, I had some really bad visions and some bad, oh, so bad, some bad thought processes going on. But the bottom line is the Hawks held on to win the game. That's all that matters in the end. They're up one Oh on the road against a Philly team where Joel and bead looked like anything, but a guy with a sore knee. He just went, it was a wrecking ball. Uh, Trey was amazing. Uh, again, as usual and the Hawks ball movement and spacing, all of that has been, they just, they just look like, they just look like they're the better team on that, on that floor to me. And Props to Nate McMillan, man. We bashed him and went all in on him for the rotation issues when he had everybody on the bench in the game they lost against the Knicks. And I feel like maybe he's learned from that and he'll never do that again. Yeah, th- there's a lot to respond to there. I-, I do think that the Embiid thing is really interesting because he had 39 points and in a lot of ways did look really good. I thought the one thing that was interesting was how much he kind of when he would get the ball on the block, was really settling for that mid-range jumper. And I think, in a way, as well as he shot, I mean, he shot 12 for 21. I can't really criticize the performance, but in a way, I felt like he let the Hawks' defense off a bit when he did that. Because I think what makes Embiid so dangerous is how enormous he is. And when he can really dominate around the basket, I think he could have really put his stamp on this game. But it was a lot of jump shots. And while he shot well and scored 39 points... The game also kind of ground to grinded ground to a halt when he got in the post, and a lot of a lot of Sixers players are standing around watching. I didn't think it was great offense from him, even though he put up really good numbers and obviously did have an impact on this game. It just I don't know the Sixers in half court didn't feel incredibly scary to me. Am I? Do you look at this at all the way I'm seeing it? Yeah, I mean it was a little ISO Embiid, wasn't it? And granted when he shoots that fadeaway mid-range jumper it's butter like it's so pretty when he does it yeah. he looks like a like a shooting guard a seven five shooting guard or whatever but uh a monster and, and you don't really realize how big Embiid is until you see him standing uh next to clint capella and he's just yeah. like kind of towers towers over him but yeah i mean they didn't really pound it inside Embiid, and i don't know if that was a knee issue i don't know if that's a doc rivers thing they didn't really use Ben Simmons, their best defensive player on Trey very much, which I thought was a little weird. I think a lot of that loss had to do with Doc Rivers, honestly. Well, Trey Young had had 36 points and 10 assists and 25 and seven in the first half. And yeah, I, I just getting back to the Embiid quickly, I feel a little bit like I'm sounding like a nitpicking, a 39 point performance, which I don't want to be unfair to that <laughs> aspect of it. But I will say also, it was a really you know, there were times that he looked not at all affected by the knee. And there was at least one point in the game where he couldn't even put any weight on that leg and he's hopping around out there. So how he responds in game two, I think is going to be really important and really interesting to watch. As for Simmons, he had 17 points and 10 assists in this game, but Steve was three for 10 from the free throw line and is 13 for 38 from the free throw line in the playoffs. I mean, this is something that you can no longer ignore. Those are numbers where it's going to be really hard for him to be on the floor late in the game. Uh, nobody's broken as many backboards in Philly since Daryl Dawkins was doing it. More like the uh, front of the in, rim, just just pounding the front of the rim. 
back in the eighties, man. I don't, I don't know what Ben Simmons is doing and he's sure as heck not. We don't have to worry about talking about three pointers in these playoffs, which is a nice change, but man, you know, him and, and Luca both could not, cannot make a free throw right now. And Luca doesn't have to make them anymore, but Simmons uh, probably does. Simmons hits free throws. Uh, Sixers might've won that game. Well, the Sixers shot just 10 for 29 on threes. The Hawks shot 20 for 47. Tobias Harris and Seth Curry were really good in this game, but only took 13 and 12 shots respectively. And the Sixers shot 55% for the game. It's not like they had an off night or something, an uncharacteristically bad night. So I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen in game two. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Sixers come out very aggressive, trapping right away and try to get the Hawks into an early hole you know, you can't, you obviously, it's been said other places, you can't trap like that the whole game. But Steve, I'd be shocked if the Sixers didn't try it right away to start the game. Well, they need to do something because the Hawks got so many open, open looks the first three quarters of that game. It, it was, it was ridiculous. It was a mismatch. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this, the Sixers length is very real when you've got, you know, Harris and, and Simmons trapping that, that has a lot. Those are some tall trees for Trey Young to try to navigate around. So, it would shock me if the Hawks took game two, but I've sort of stopped doubting this team at this point. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, quite a series from here, Steve. You know, it's funny. My my Sixers fan buddy that I banter back and forth with, he's like, man, the officiating was terrible in that game. I was like, well, yeah, they, the Hawks didn't get any calls. He's like, no, we didn't get any calls. And I, I kind of feel like that's sort of how, how that game went. Um, yeah. But it, it, was, yeah. It, it was a fun game. I don't really care what happens in game two. The Hawks, the Hawks won game one. They, they regained, they gained home court and I can't wait to, to get the, the series back in state farm and have that place rocking. I have to disagree with you on fun though. That was absolute torture. I was physically sweating during the latter part of that game and not from was, the, not from the Atlanta heat. It was fun until the final <laughs> six minutes. <laughs> yes. And then every, Every nightmare you've ever lived as an Atlanta sports fan started to come storming back into your life. And I was watching with a bunch of friends out in a friend's backyard, and it got so quiet out there at one point. You, everyone was having the same, like, <laughs> frightened vision of, oh, no, it's happening again. It was awful. It's like when you see your life flash before your eyes in movies, yeah. and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like, all these just screenshots just start popping yeah. up. Falcons, Braves. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty funny. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, well, we will look forward to Game 2 on Tuesday. Meanwhile, a quick look at the first game of this past weekend. The Nets beat the Bucks 115-107. to Obviously, the huge storyline from this game was James Harden injuring his hamstring in the first minute of the game, Steve. Were you surprised to see Brooklyn hold it together that well with Harden going out in the first minute? No. I mean, they, they're still, even without James Harden, they're still really good. They have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I mean, on on paper, uh, yeah. if you tell anyone, hey, James Harden's going to play one minute and then he's done, um, what happens? I mean, you're going to think the Bucks probably win that game, but I wasn't surprised uh, that Brooklyn won. And it just goes to show you that they don't need Jeff Green. They don't need James Harden. They, I think that team is good enough that with two superstars instead of three out there, they're still capable of beating people. So Mike James is pretty huge, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they need Harden, and I think they kind of were able to take advantage of kind of a fluky, awful night for Milwaukee in a lot of ways. I mean, Giannis scored 34, but Chris Middleton shot 6 for 23. Drew Holiday was 7 for 19. Those two guys are combined 13 for 42 from the field, including 2 for 12 on threes. Milwaukee, as a team, shot 6 of 30 on threes. And meanwhile, you get a complete throwback performance from Blake Griffin, who has 18 points, 14 rebounds, and four threes in this game. It just feels like a perfect storm of things went wrong for Milwaukee. So with that in mind, I'm kind of expecting the Bucks to bounce back in game two. We'll find out. I, I, I've always been a Bruce Brown guy, and Bruce Brown played 21 minutes in that game. He plays great defense. Kind of, He's kind of a stat sheet filler, even though he's not a big scorer. I think he makes an impact. Like you said, Blake Griffin was great. Kevin Durant did Kevin Durant things. Kyrie Irving didn't shoot it well, but put up a bunch of numbers. So, uh, I mean, the the Bucks should be able to beat this team without James Harden, but I don't think it's a it's not a done deal. Like like you said, uh, Giannis's supporting cast has to play better than they did. Like Middleton really needs to go off. Well, Mike James, as you said, twelve points, seven boards, three assists in thirty minutes with Harden missing that game. So he's obviously a notable DFS target for Monday night, Steve. Any other thoughts for you as you look ahead to this game too? You know, uh, to be honest, we were at a wedding while that game was going on. And while I had it on my phone in various places, I didn't really get to sit down and like pick it apart and watch it. I, I, I didn't even know Harden got hurt until like halftime. So that, that shows you where I was, uh, my head was at for that game. We had other, (laughs) other real life things going on for once, but, um, Blake Griffin, man, like he he could really end up being a difference maker. And wouldn't it be ironic if he if he got the Bucks? I mean, if he got to the Nets past the Bucks somehow, like that would be pretty wild. But like you said, 18 points, 14 boards, three assists, two steals, four threes. I mean, that's that's just awesome. And it, whether you're a Blake Griffin fan or not, I I think it's really cool to see and I'm I'm happy for him. This is a guy who had scored Steve a combined Looking at it right now, 24 points in his previous five games combined, and he goes for 18 in this one. Last time he had even hit, well, one double-digit scoring game in his last seven. So really an out-of-nowhere performance from Griffin, and I, I think I would be hesitant to chase that one in DFS, though with that said, I think he's in my lineup right now, so I guess I'm doing it. And James Harden 
back to him for a second. He's already been ruled out for game two. So who knows when we're going to yeah. see him again. And it's that's troubling. It's, if you're a Nets fan, it's very disturbing, I guess, is the word. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, we are going to be watching all of that eagerly as we move forward. And that is going to do it for us on this express version of the show. Thanks again to everyone for bearing with us through those technical difficulties early on. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back on Wednesday and Friday this week, and we are live at noon Eastern on YouTube both days. Thanks to everyone watching live with us today and listening on the podcast. Steve, thanks very much, man. We'll see you on Wednesday. Bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.